Hello and welcome to FuturePod. I'm Peter Haywood. FuturePod gathers voices from the international field of futures and foresight. Through a series of interviews, the founders of the field and the emerging leaders share their stories, tools and experiences. Please visit futurepod.org for further information about this podcast series. As it's almost three years since we launched FuturePod, we thought it would be interesting to check in with our previous guests and see how their work and thinking may have changed since we last spoke to them. And so we've created a series called The Re-Interviews. Today, we are re-interviewing Tanya Schindler. We originally interviewed Tanya in podcast 21 called A Hybrid Futurist. But since then, Tanya has successfully launched her own foresight community called Future Space, and she's also joined the Association of Professional Futurists as a board member. Welcome back to FuturePod, Tanya. Thank you, Peter. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's great to be talking again. So we've had an interesting couple of years, haven't we, since we last spoke. Uh, So how have things been for you? Yeah, crazy, crazy year. I don't even know. Was it 2018, 2019 when we've met? And yeah, I mean, I think there are two, three really different years. 2019, pre-pandemic, 2020, holding pandemic. In 2021, I felt at least work-wise dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, I think this was better. Those three years has been completely different. Each year a different journey and uncertainty. And a new journey to take on. So future space, that was something that we were talking about before you finished uh, and uh, went back to Germany. But it's kind of been through a few iterations. Do you want to talk to the listeners about future space? Future Space, every year we come together and come in the core team and come together and think, are we still on the right track? And the things that we're doing, are they experimental and new and futuristic? And the initial idea in 2019 was to create a network of freelancing futurists who come together and work together on projects with larger organizations and pitch to some of the open tenders. And we did 2019 a series workshops with the co-working space Mm. called the night of the futures and every month we did a different futures topic like future of food future of work and it was really nice because people showed up who never heard about futures and the foresight work and it was really great to introduce them to some of the new methods we did world cafe styles where every table has a new foresight method and looked at it in a different angle and yeah it was really really insightful and we wanted to continue the conversation And during that time, we started to create the online platform where we could continue the conversation and also to some events. But for everyone who ever did an online community, it's not that easy to have an open space and everyone is engaged and get started. So at the beginning, the engagement was very low. But then 2020, actually, just before the pandemic, we had another one of those meetings I think I just came back or I was still in Australia and I came back and I was thinking about, yeah, what I really loved about the Knights of the Futures was this multi-diversity of people and mindsets that are in Berlin. And then I thought, how, if not online, could we reach out to people all over the world having those conversations? And to be said, and I think there's also a futurist problem, 
most features are not salespeople. So our plan of getting projects to work together as freelancers was kind of like defined by that we didn't get projects and we couldn't find a salesperson to get us project. So my idea with that was how we create a network, an online community where we attract people to have those conversations also from organizations as well as freelancers. So we would stimulate the idea of having projects and working together. This is where the idea of this online space and the online platform came through and Graciela has been on my side as co-founder from the beginning. Not everyone of our founding members agreed. Um, some of them also want to go more into consulting space and this was fine, but we followed through and then the pandemic hit and it was almost like I had this time a crystal ball, but probably just good intuition. And yeah, since then we did two to three workshops online in 2020, all on the platform with the community who grew from 100 members in 2019 to I think three or 500 in 2020. And this year we just reached the over 1,000. Which is fantastic. I mean, a thousand people being involved in a futures thinking community from all around the world is an amazing achievement. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, this year I've been crazy, but we also had a conversation with a team together and looking at where you want to go. And this year, a lot of people were exhausted from Zoom calls. After 2020, it was everything online. And this year, life happens again with people going back to working as normal as they could. So we thought there was a lot of energy lost. And this is where, yet yeah, this year, where the community is now at a point where we really foster the open spaces and the open conversations. So besides the methods and the workshops that we do and the conversations that we do on futures thinking, this open space is around specific topics and we started with futures of work. We continued from the workshops that we had for the Night of the Futures 2019 and the UNESCO Design Forum 2020. And then we did a space on gender equality and futures thinking. And by this fall, we really look into a concept where we could match and have a conversation with organizations. Because this comes back from 2019, where we want to connect freelancers to work with organizations. So why not to invite organizations to sponsor an open space? So we now have a sponsor for the open space for futures of food and snacking. And our members having a conversation with employees of the organization to explore the future of food and snacking for a period of six to 12 months. And then we create a futures map that is Creative Commons and everyone can use. And freelancers get exposure to work directly with organizations and hopefully we can continue the conversation afterwards. It's a kind of mutual arrangement where the company gets its chance to develop its intellectual property, the things that become core to its strategy, but at the same time you produce an external open artefact that other people can access in a different way. Yes, exactly, because I believe, and we had the conversation earlier, that just trends and the impacts, even the exploration of the future, 
is not something that organizations need to hide behind the walls. They need to go out and talk to their clients or suppliers and maybe even their competition to have a conversation on what are the different futures they can imagine and those organizations want to shape in the industries. But then once those maps are created, of course, you can go, if you want, behind your wall and build your strategy on that and yeah, shift the direction of your company. And this, of course, something you don't need to share publicly. And you would imagine that companies now realize, because of the disruption caused through the pandemic, that they have to open up their intelligence and their conversation models if they're going to have any chance to have any viability going forward. Yes, I think this is what the pandemic really opened and revealed is that we cannot continue it as we did. And you think that your business model was stable or maybe future-proof, you've been told differently. And sometimes you're so blind within your industry and working within your organization. Some of your product and organizations, <laughs> I always tell people, yeah, you love your core business, but this is exactly what you need to challenge. You need to look at your core competencies these organizations have and the future issues, for example, the SDGs that they can face and then match that. And then you can turn it to your futures organizations where you really serve the society and the environment and not try to continue making the same products for the same years, even if they're not sustainable anymore. Now, I'm going to ask you to compare your experience with creating a global open community to your experience of moving up to the governance level of <laughs> our professional association, the Association of Professional Futurists, where you, uh, you became... Well, you're on the board and you're second in charge with Sherman Cruz. Um, that's, I mean, arguably you'd be, you would think you are working with a very similarly open, creative group of people who are passionate about the future. I said it's a different experience and I want to elaborate a little bit on that. The future space it's really this startup vibe and we have a small team. So every time a vision, we make decisions very fast and we can implement it almost within two weeks. And I can learn really when I joined the APF board that if you have a board with 12 people all over the world and a larger government, a lot of things takes time and take discussions. But I think what I was mostly surprised by and yeah, I think sometimes I feel the devil advocate of APF <laughs> because I like to challenge things and I think we're all futurists and we need to change the way we think. If we don't challenge ourselves on that, how we can expect it from our clients and organization or anyone else. So I've been there and asked, why do we have to have board meetings like this? Why do we have to set up a board like this? Um, it's where we have a strong hierarchy and do we really want to be like exclusive and a community of practitioners without opening up to and telling the world of the amazing stuff that we actually do and what futures thinking is? So it was hard to at the beginning fit into the structure. And I also been feeling that the APF has been running on its own in the 20 years, but there haven't really been a broad structure, organizational structure to build on. 
there have been some hierarchy and some structure to direct top down but I really want to enable our members all over the world to do stuff and then connect this back to the umbrella of the APF. And this is really what I try to foster and encourage um, as part and I think being me one of the youngest members of the APF board to say it's great they've been doing things the way we did in the past but now it's the time to really do things differently and to look at how can we open up and I think the APF has a, such a big chance to tell the world what futures thinking is, similar to design thinking, what everyone knows. Futures thinking is still so unknown. So why are we trying to protect something that is not known yet? And by that, we kind of limit mm. our way of working. And even for our members, because they assume there's not that much futures work out there. And I think maybe it's because people don't know what futures work is or they're already doing it without knowing it. So within the APF, and this is what Sherman and I really try to do, is to increase the outreach and tell the world via social media, newsletter and open events, what is futures thinking and why every organization should embrace it. And what, for listeners, what might be some of the uh, the particular goals or... And they might even be big, hairy, audacious goals that you've got for the APF. <laughs> My goal is to ask the members. So we just did an identity and branding workshop where we invited past, present and future members. So even people who are not yet members of the APF to have a conversation and create a narrative on how they see the APF should look like and the goals and the visions for that. I think we're discussing it a lot on the board and everyone has an idea and visions, but for me, it's really listening to what the members want. And I believe so as my goal, together with Sherman, as mentioned before, to really empower and spread globally by creating local hubs so they can act locally and then we can combine this back together and act globally on a larger APF scale. So you have future space taking up a bit of your time. You have the APF board taking up a big chunk of your time, and then in whatever time you have left, you decided to get involved with a little organisation called the European Commission. <laughs> yes. As I said, 2020, all of my... Well, let's recap a little bit. 2019, I did a lot of client work for my own freelancing consultancy. I still have this word. I don't like it. I like partnerships. If I have to find a word for the future to work with organisations together... I will come up someday with a work that is better than consulting. But yeah, 2019, I did a lot of client work. In 2020, all of this disappeared. So I could really focus on future space. And then 2021, I had somehow, yeah, to earth again some money. So yeah, I also wanted to go back in the, into the field. And I got the chance to work and be part of a consortium that works with the EU Commission was called Force It On Demand. And there was a specific call for a project called Stories from 2050 that should be different, open, not primary research driven and focus on fiction and non-fiction stories and how people all over the world see the future of 2050 and what the implications for 
the European Commission and Europe in general and the European Green Deal would be in focusing on the goal of becoming a net zero continent on one point. So yeah, I did another community building job where we reached out and created a platform and asked people to join and created a process where yeah, we did a visioning exercise saying that the world will not be inhabitable anymore in 2050 and we sent people into space. <laughs> I love the space team a lot if you haven't recognized. And there would be five different planets to discover and what would people see there and we gave them a little hint some more focus on energy some on food and agriculture and then people really had to develop the stories and inhabitants and what would happen there so that the future's exploration would not start from the present but we really had to pull in jump into the future and see what if we would be even a green slide planet what would you build and there were amazing stories coming back who all really focus on values and social driven events and how to change our cultural and ethical values within the EU or globally in order to maintain and almost rescue and secure this earth. And technology was actually just a minor goal to establish that. And this was really interesting experience. And I'm happy to say that this month we just released it. So yeah, if you go to storiesfrom2050.com, you can read all of those 22 stories. And uh, yeah, this was an amazing project, which uh, then finished. And now I'm still continue working with the commission, working on the strategic foresight input for the second strategic plan, where we again try to build a community on those topics so there are still topics we need to deal with we want to explore within the eu is the energy transformation some of the focusing on health and people from all over the world and experts come together and can yeah tackle the problem and discuss what are the next steps to move forward who were the people what was the range of people that were participating in those stories workshops this was really interesting because we had people from everywhere, from people who lead youth organizations, people who work for governmental organizations, think tanks, civil society. And my most favorite part, we had a second workshop because as we almost done with the first uh, workshops, someone reached out to us from the indigenous community of uh, North America. And they asked if we would do a workshop with them. And again, we did. And just the spirit and the knowledge, and you probably know if you've worked with some of the Aboriginal communities in Australia, it's just a different kind of understanding of the world and even the future. So this was really mind-blowing and we got a lot of input from that to think differently and yeah, challenge our more scientific way, I would say, uh, to look really differently into the future. The common theme I'm hearing in... All the things you've talked about, Tanya, is this notion of reaching out beyond your normal communities to find ideas, enthusiasm and support. Mm. That seems to be central to you in what you are doing now. Yeah, I think when I did my studies um, with you in Australia what I really learned and Australia is such a pl great place for that because you meet people from all the world 
is how your mindset shifts once you have conversations with people who are not like you. Not even they have a different profession, if you're a scientist compared to an artist, but they've grown up in a whole different region. They're speaking another language as their mother tongue. And you just see, well, yeah, I've never seen it that way. And yeah, imagine we could have had that and we had that vision of the future. And just the way we've grown up in Central Europe in Germany, I would see in a specific way. So how could I extend this? So there's so much more opportunities to go and to find solutions once we combine this knowledge from those diverse perspectives from over the world. So I truly believe that every organization needs to reach out beyond their typical client and suppliers to get in touch with people who think differently on the topic so that we can solve, shape and create better and more positive futures. Because as you know, I'm still an optimist and idealist. And yeah, I really foster the force ourselves to think positively of our future because it does so much influence our decisions today. And I almost believe that you cannot see the path that it leads into a better future if you only have those negative futures that we get from media, from Hollywood. There's so many ways people show us how to destroy this planet and I think it's time to write some stories on how we can save it and how we can save us and how we want to live together because by that we would really see in the present those small hints that we or the seeds that we can then help grow to make those positive futures happen and move away from the pathways that go into futures we don't like but we seem to think they're so likely. Mm -hmm. Here, here. But there is a paradox in there. And for me, and I think you know this paradox too, because of the work of the APF, is that, you know, the futures field is a small field. It's, it is a difficult field for many people. They work there with great passion and enthusiasm, but they can struggle to find a niche and economic legitimation. One of the things that the APF was established for was to argue for the professional aspect of futures work. Yes, everybody is interested in the future. Yes, everyone talks about their ideas about the future. But the APF in part was established to try and separate out and highlight the fact that this was actually, while this is a natural human thing, it's also an area of professionalism and training. And yet there's a paradox here that when we reach out, we get more. But if we don't define what we are, then we perhaps we fear that we will disappear because we have nothing unique to offer. Hmm. But I think there are two sides to look at that. And I 100% agree that I think foresight or futures thinking had been got some bad reputation in the past because some people just applied tools without having the mindset. And I did do a speech during the Global Foresight Summit 2020 during the pandemic. You know, I'm also was I'm a former Latin dancer. I dance in a show group. And for me, future thinking has so much to do with dancing. You can compare that if you apply steps for a dance, but you have no idea of the rhythm of the music, 
you would still not be seen as the dancer, not you would look good on a dance floor. And it's similar to future thinking. So if you just apply the tools, but you don't have the mindset, so you don't have the rhythm to understand the whole uncertainty of the future, your outcomes will just not be as spectacular or worse, they won't help you at all. And this is really important to see, but, but this is my big but, by putting it exclusively and trying to protect what we have, we harm us more because there will always be trend research or trend forecasters out there. And honestly, they're doing a pretty good marketing because if you go to LinkedIn or any other platform and you look for, and you look for the term futurist, and they're most likely not members of the APF. And now you can say as the APF, of course, you don't like to be, be acknowledged with them. Or you could step out and ask them for marketing advice, if you say. But well, maybe invite them to say, you know, there's a whole new world and there's so much more you can do besides trends. And there's mindsets and methods and narratives and academic fields on top of that next to the work we do with organizations. And I'm pretty sure most people actually be open for that and they just don't know that something like this practice, like foresight or the masters or the academic work exists. So therefore, I believe, yeah, going out and doing a bit more PR, so to say, for what we do and that we exist would help us to protect what is actually really dear to us and in the long run will improve the field. Ah, so we're at the we're at the end. So how do you want to? Uh, and this is not the end, of course. We'll be back to talk to you in a, another couple of years' time. But what's in your immediate future? So I did spend this year or the last half of this year to really also try to to order my brain because, as you said, I did. I almost. Yeah, I had future space growth this year. I was vice chair of the APF. I did the EU commission projects. I think actually four projects um, in parallel. Stories in 2050 was just the largest. And I did client work on top. I worked some of mobility organizations, e-scooters in Berlin. And I just did an amazing workshop with the humanitarian aid organizations. And where we also tried to foster a positive image um, of how humanitarian aid can be. But in the end, I felt like I've been everywhere and I'd, I cannot continue working like this. It's crazy running six or seven projects in parallel. And I had days where I spent six or seven hours on Zoom. So I'm also a bit Zoom fatigue. And I took the decision to say, OK, one field I can bring in order is future space to say, will it remain a hobby or a sidetrack? that Graciela I built, or do we move forward? And do I have to let go a little bit of it to embrace a team to run and grow it? And yeah, also give it a bit back into the community. So I incorporated a company and yeah, we enlarged our team to three, to now to six people and future space and we really want to work more with organizations in the future to have those hands-on community where we solve or try to solve future issues by asking questions and having conversations with organizations so 
really without throwing first to the solution place, the open space, that's why it's called open space within the community and to have a conversations, what are the aspects on those topics that we need to explore and the challenges and opportunities that come with it. And then with the APF, I try to focus a little more. So this year was all taking stock and there was so much to do. And I'm a doer and there was so much to do and I wanted to do everything at once, but it was exhausting because as I said before, it's not an organization that I founded that I could make decisions and goals. So it teaches you to have longer conversations to get everyone on the journey. So next year I want to focus also on the community building there, updating the website, looking at the membership levels, how can we provide a pathway to into the future and to become a professional futurist and how can we be more open to non-members to connect. I don't even like the word non-members but people interested in the future but are not futurist yet but maybe interesting becoming one or maybe just interesting listen to us so just yeah, saying this to really open the conversations but there haven't been really decisions yet but this will the pathway of next year and yeah and then as to do some of the client work whenever there's an interesting workshop you have something ramped up about open innovation i continue working with the eu but i also hope to take some vacation and go back to not working on weekends and all day six or seven hours of calls. So at some point in the future, a month, years, I want to sit on a mountain, work, relax and meditate. I still want to write a book as well, but yeah, I think I really have to have a clear head. And at the moment there's so much to do and I'm a doer, so and another thing why we call the community and future space for futurists and futures activists, because I really believe more, we need more activists in this world to help shaping the futures. And yeah, I try to enable this and we think all of that. So the organization we just founded for future space, we also discover how can the future of organizations will be, how can members and team members be part of that organization and work all over the world remotely and it's not shareholder and money driven although we still play in a capitalist living world but how can we turn this around and create an organization that's really purpose driven and focus on creating positive futures well look it's been great to catch up again oh you are you are one of my heroes i've thoroughly find you inspirational and exhausting at the same time but it's Thank you very much for giving us some time from your busy, busy life to uh, come back and spend some time with the FuturePod community. Yeah, thank you so much for having me again. And the last thing I just want to say is, and this is mostly when I do any talks or keynotes currently, is to talk about the joy for the future. And yes, actually, I always say I speak so much easier now in English, especially the futures work. But there are two words in German that you cannot translate properly into English. And one is Zukunftsangst, which means the fear of the future. And the other one is Zukunftsfreude, which is the joy for the future. And yeah, I really want that this fear for the future get transformed into the joy and that people see 
that the future is still something we can create with every decision we make today and there's so much more to explore than maybe the media or some organizations try to set visions. There is still a big part within our community and within organizations that can help shaping different directions and new futures. So yeah, if we can get that joy through, I think we are done. Thanks for spreading the joy, Tanya. You're, you're welcome. This has been another production from FuturePod. FuturePod is a not-for-profit venture. We exist through the generosity of our supporters. If you would like to support FuturePod, go to the Patreon link on our website. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. This is Peter Hayward saying goodbye for now.